The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome. I'm staring at myself. Uh, I, I have that horrible resting you-know-what face. Uh, I'm Shannon Penrod and I'm thrilled to be here with you this morning. So glad to have you guys with us. We're live right now on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, dozen other sites. Traven's going to show you what some of the sites are. Uh, I'm. We're going to do this amazing show today where you guys have been asking for this for a long time. Potty training is explained in a very easy way for parents. So I'm going to give you the parent-to-parent potty training 101. Uh, so easy enough for everybody to follow so that you can figure out, okay, what is this? Because I got to tell you, they've cracked the code on this. And for all of you who are living in fear and you're like, there's no way that we're ever going to be potty trained, welcome. Come on in. I'm giving you that virtual hug and telling you it's all going to be okay. Um, we got you here. And 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 then we're going to work through and all the challenges and what could go wrong and, you know, how we do this. So it, because they have cracked the code on potty training I, I'm not aware of, with expert help, I'm not aware of a single individual who can't be potty trained. Now, do I know everybody in the world? No, but that's a lot of people that I'm aware of. So, um, you know, wherever you are on this continuum, whatever it is that you're dealing with, I hope you'll pull up a chair and take what you can, right? Uh, but Traven is showing you the different places where you can go to uh, watch, like, share, so on and so forth. Uh, because the chat is open right now and, and we are going to be taking questions throughout this talk as well. So that if you're having specific things, we can apply it to the steps that we're going to talk about so that you can have a place of where to start with this. But I do want to take a quick second here at the beginning to say that right now I, uh, I'm, you know how, when I get that way, right. I'm that way. The top of my head is flown off and, and I have things to say. So right now on uh, my personal Facebook and on uh, Autism Live's Facebook, there is a post because I'm, 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 I'm like past upset. I don't, but I, I, I'm in the stratosphere and, and I, cause I feel like somehow we took a wrong turn. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what? And I feel like, and you guys write in and tell me if you feel the same way. I feel when something is good and as good as happening and I go, oh, thank God. And I don't always remember. I thought I jumped up and down a little bit, but maybe I didn't jump up and down enough. But now something that was good, beyond good, great, amazing has gone away. And I feel like if we as an autism community don't jump up and down and go, hey, wait, no, then the message we send is, oh, it's okay. It's okay that you did this great thing and you decided to take it away and whatever. What I'm talking about, I don't want to be vague, you know what they say, vague, vague booking. Um, Amazon put out, they started before the pandemic working on a show that really was going to change the landscape of how autism was seen in the, the entertainment industry. They did an amazing job. The show was called As We See It. They had to, you know, stop and wait during the pandemic, then film during the pandemic. It was all very, very hard, but they climbed that mountain. They scaled Mount Everest and they did it right, you guys. Not only did they have actually autistic actors playing roles of people with autism, and I mean 
dozens of them, right? They employed so many actors on the spectrum. We had such a good time watching it going, oh, look, there's so-and-so. Oh, look, there's so-and-so. Love, 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 love that, right? But then they went beyond that and they hired people from the community who are grips and things of that nature that were on the spectrum as well. So there were people on set behind the camera, in front of the camera, consulting. There were, you know, it was very mindfully done and it was done well. And, you know, I reviewed it um, here on the show and I really, really, really loved it. I put out a caution to everybody and said, don't just watch the first two episodes because the first two episodes are hard because the content was hard. But I said, don't just don't walk away from this, support this. Come on, you guys get on board because it's amazing. And by the time you get to that final episode, don't anybody tell me that it is not Emmy worthy in so many different directions because that, I I mean, oh my gosh, I I could lose my mind talking about that. It absolutely, that final episode is Emmy worthy. Boom. I'm not discussing it. (laughs) It just is, right? So here's this amazing show and they've done all these things and people loved it. It wasn't just me that loved it. People loved the autism community embraced it. Honestly, let's talk about how hard is it for all of us to get on one page together to love something. And we did. And very quietly, Amazon has canceled it. No second season, you guys. Very quietly. Have you seen a press release about this? No, nor have I. They just very quietly were like, "Mm, we're just not going to do any more of that. So um, we want for all of you to really use your voice. We want you, Traven just showed me that the, the way to tweet at them is at Prime Video on Facebook or, or on Twitter. We want you to, to talk to them and to say to Amazon, please don't do this. You did a good thing and now you're doing a bad thing. Please reconsider because it's not too late for them to reconsider. And if they won't do it, then we need to lobby for another studio to get it. But it's not going to happen without you guys. If it's just me, I'm just one parent in a corner going, hey, that was jobs. Hey, that was a message. Hey, that was representation. Hey, that was everything, right? And and so it can't just be me, you guys. And I don't want it to just be me. I want you to use your voice at Prime Video on Facebook or on Twitter and tell them, and Traven's putting it up in the chat, Tell them your thoughts. Tell them how you feel about the show. Tell them how you feel about this representation. Even if, you know, I don't know if you, first of all, if you didn't watch more than the first two episodes, I'm going to tell you that I think that you need to go watch all of them. Um, Because when I tell you that I think that there's no discussion, that last episode, I'm telling you, it's Emmy worthy, right? I don't say that about everything, right? I don't love everything. That last episode, whoo, oh my gosh. Um, so I'm asking you to go watch all the episodes, but I am also asking you to stand up for yourself in this community and to say representation is important to me. Even if you don't love the show, which I don't see how that could be if you watch them all, but if you don't, it doesn't matter. This is representation. And if we just let it go without making a fuss, then what we do is we teach every single studio that we won't stand behind work that involves our community. So I am begging you at Prime Video, and we'll be talking about this the next couple of days. But we got to move on because we got a lot of ground to cover here. So at Prime Video, tweet, do whatever. Let you know, even if you just go, tweet them and do, use the hashtag, 
hey, Amazon, and then hashtag save as we see it. You would make my day if you guys would all do that. Okay, thank you. I appreciate you. Saying good morning to Nicholas. And Laurie, I see that you sent in a question and Masada has sent in a question. So we're going to get to those questions in just a minute. We've got to start. I want to remind everybody, I always give the disclaimer at the start of the show that I am not an autism expert. Let's be very clear about this. This is not an autism experts presentation about how to potty train. No, this is a parent talking to parents, uh, whether you are a parent who is yourself on the spectrum or you're not on the spectrum and you have kids on the spectrum. We're going to talk about potty training, Um, but I'm going to I'm going to put it in parlance that. Um, from a parent's perspective, having gone through this and having watched other people go through this to help you understand it. But I'm always going to recommend that you work with experts and I'm going to loudly proclaim I am not one of them, right? Uh, But we have experts on the show and we've done lots of shows about toilet training. We just have never done a full show on, all right, so if I'm a parent and I'm telling you without all of the jargon how we do this, and we're doing that today. Uh, But first, we're going to start out here with uh, something we finally refer to as the jargon of the day, because it's going to help us with what we're going to talk about, especially when we're talking to the experts. But do be writing in. The chat is open. We are live and we love hearing from you guys. So our jargon term today, and when we do jargon, first, we give you the actual definition from the book. And then I make fun of it whenever possible, because it's almost always useless, right? And then we give you a working definition, but then more importantly, we tell you, this is why you need to know this term. So um, EO, I don't know about you, but the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, is that that old movie that they did with Michael Jackson at Disneyland? Is that like with the thing that flew around in 3D? What EO, or, or is that like the band? No, that's ELO. What's an EO for heaven's sake? Um, but it turns out it's something that's fairly important when we're talking about potty training and with other things, but especially with potty training. So let's take a look at what EO stands for, this crazy jargon. So EO stands for establishing operation. Well, doesn't that clear it up? Uh, it's a, uh, establishing operation, a motivating operation that establishes, oh, gee, do you think? Or increases the effect, this effectiveness of some stimulus, object, or event as a reinforcer. I mean, right here, it's like, check, check, please. I don't know. Um, thus increasing the current frequency of all behavior that has been reinforced by that stimulus, object, or event in the past. Ladies and gentlemen, can we get the sound of a toilet flushing? Because I, like, just shove that definition into the ocean. Who is that helping? No one that I know. How many degrees and letters do you have to have after your name to begin to understand what in the hey nani nani is that? Push it aside. Let's let it go. It's of no use to us. Let's see if our working definition is any closer. And it's probably not. Uh, An EO is some internal or external variable that makes particular reinforcers even more reinforcing, thus increasing the likelihood that you will engage in certain behaviors associated with accessing uh, those reinforcers. I, you know what? I still want to flush the toilet on this one because it, it really is not helpful to me. If I really, I, I need to potty train my kid and I'm like, what? Okay. So let's talk about this. Uh, establishing operation is something that it's like, it's like asking what's on board, what's on board. So I, I think of it as both directions. It's like setting yourself up for success 
is, is establishing operations. Because if you think to yourself, okay, what I really need to do is to get the kids to sit at the table and they need to do their homework. They don't want to do the homework, but I can ask myself, what would make it more likely that they would stay at the table longer and do their homework? A, a, a really um, well-known BCBA that I have much love for thought about this for her kids and said, I want my kids to want to stay at the table to do their homework and to do it well. What can I do? What EO can I put in place that will make it more likely that they enjoy the time at the table and want to do the homework? And she decided, because her kids love Kool-Aid, that Kool-Aid is only served in her house at the homework table during the homework hour. And so her kids come home and they take their backpacks off and they sit down at the table and there's a big pitcher of lemonade. And as long as they're at the table doing homework, they get, they get the, the picture of the pitcher of Kool-Aid and she, you know, asks them, what flavor do you want this week or today or whatever? And they get as much Kool-Aid as they can handle. And then the Kool-Aid leaves the table when homework is over and it's only served during homework. That's putting establishing operation in there because it makes, it's something that's so reinforcing that it makes it more likely that you're going to engage in the homework. Okay, so what does this have to do with toilet training? And by the way, it can work the opposite too in establishing operation. If you wake up in the morning and you haven't had enough sleep and you didn't eat your breakfast and now somebody wants you to perform, you're less likely to be able to do what you need to do well, right? Because you haven't set yourself up for success. What's on board is sleepiness and hunger, not focus, right? So I always try to be on the right side of the EOs and say, what can we do to set ourselves up for success? Well, the experts call that establishing operations. So what, when we're going to work on something, what establishing operations are we going to put in place to set us up for success? Does that make sense? Because that's what we want to do for potty training. When we do potty training, there's a point when we're going to intensively work on potty training and the way we set ourselves up for success We've already, you know, we'll go through this in the talk, but one of the things that we do is that we get some salty snacks and a preferred thing to drink. Because you, in, in order to work on potty training, you, you need to have something to pee out, right? And you're more likely to drink more liquid if you've had a salty snack, and you're more likely to drink a liquid if it's your favorite liquid. Establishing operation. Um, we have something to work with. We have a kid who needs to pee. So it's not that hard. It's like thinking ahead and thinking, okay, what could I put in place to make this more likely to happen? That's what an establishing operation is. So we're going to talk about that with the potty training. Uh, and I love you guys are writing in. I appreciate this. Um, okay. Uh, all right. So we're going to, I was just looking at the questions. We're going to go on now to our question of the day. And you guys can be writing in on the question of the day in the chat. The chat is open. We are live if you're just tuning in. It's Wednesday, the 6th of July, 2022. Our question is, what is too overwhelming for you to deal with right now? Oh my gosh. Let's get Ileana Vincent in here and say, heal yourself. Because sometimes you have a day when you're like, I can't deal with that today. I'm not up for that today. And it's really important that we acknowledge, we used to have Evelyn Gould on the show all the time and we have her on occasionally now. And she would always talk about some days are yes days and some days are no days. Some days you're like, I can't, I, I can't do it. 
And other days you're like, yep, today's the day. Today's the day that I can face the dragon. I can slay it. I can do whatever I've got to do. And some days you're just like, I can't today. It's hard because sometimes you get to a point when it's gone on so many days where you're like, I can't face it today. I can't face it today. That then suddenly a day comes and you really can't face it, but you have to anyway. That happens too. But as much as possible as parents of individuals who are on the autism spectrum, before we do anything, before we do anything, we have to check in with ourselves and say, what kind of a day is it for me? Because we're trying to create consistency for our kids and our teenagers and our adults. And we're trying to model behavior to show them this is how you self-regulate. A lot of times we forget that we can help them to learn to self-regulate by showing how to do it ourselves. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, is today a yes day or is today a no day? And we have to show compassion for ourselves. And we don't enter into things if it's a no day. Like sometimes there are some behaviors that you just have to go, I can't today. I can't deal with that today. Today is not the day that we're going to take that on. And this is going to be important for our discussion too, coming up. Uh, And there is no odd question, uh, Parker, uh, but I'm going to get to these questions in just a second. So moving on uh, um, to our topic this week. Uh, our topic, uh, we didn't have a show on Monday, so we didn't get to say this, but the topic for the rest of the week, uh, is one of my favorites. It's the Ruby slippers. I love the Wizard of Oz. Do you guys love the Wizard of Oz? I love the Wizard of Oz because it's this whole journey that she takes because she's got to find something. It's this whole thing about, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta find my way home, I got to find, first, she's got to find a way to be safe with her dog. Then she's got to find her way home. And that turns into, I've got to find the wizard so that I can find the way home. And it's all this thing that's all outside of her. It's a place. It's a person. It's a thing. I got to get the balloon. I got to do all these things. And then at the very end, the Glinda the Good Witch says to her, "Um, you've had the power all along. You always did. The power was within you. And that even as a child resonated with me, I'm getting choked up thinking about it, but it resonated within me. And it's something that I have to relearn on a daily basis in my life. But when autism came, I, you know, I'm going to admit that there was a period of time where I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. And I was shaking in my shoes. And one of the things that was powerful for me was that the, the Ruby slippers, like I was like, somebody has to help us. Something has to help us. We got to find the thing. And I get that. And there are lots of things out there for you to find, but I want to empower all of you to understand that it's also, when you think that the thing is out there, you're like, but but we don't have access to that and we can't afford that. And I don't know what they know and I don't whatever. And I want to tell you that a very large portion of this resides in you. It resides in you. No one knows your child better than you do. Yes. Learn from the experts, learn from them. They have things to share that will be really helpful. And there's lots of freeways um, whether it's through internet or word of mouth or, or book or whatever, there's ways to learn things, but a big part of this resides in you. And so when you say, well, you know, our life would be better if only we had fill in the blank. I want to suggest to you, think again and go, 
that might be true, but think again and say to yourself, but what do I already have? Because a lot of what we're going to talk about with the potty training, you have it already. And we're going to start today. And it's not a thing where you need to go out and spend thousands of dollars, but we're going to start today acknowledging what can I do today? And it may not be everything, It may not be all the things, but there are things that you can do today that will help you and will help your child, teen or adult, right? But I want you to remember you are more powerful than than you've ever thought uh, and that everything you need resides in you. And one of the biggest questions I would ask myself early on is, is that true? Help me find it. Help me find it. Um, and and now that I'm on the other side, I look back and I go, I don't know how we did that. Uh, I really don't. And we had tons of help. Don't get me wrong. But what whenever I thank the help that we have, they go, yeah, but you were single-minded, Shannon. You had like that horn on your head and you were going to do this. And that solely came from the ruby slippers. And if we're going to do potty training, you're going to need your ruby slippers. All will become clear in just a second. I'm just looking at the questions that, um, yes. Oh, Parker, I see, uh, because that is overwhelming. The question of the day, the answer is the grief of my friend's cancer diagnosis and the nervousness of putting on the koala suit. Yep, those things are overwhelming. And I think once we claim those things and say that is overwhelming to me and we take a breath, Um, Then we make space for us to feel all of those feelings, but we make space for other things as well. That I just want to say to you, Parker, that there will come a time when there will come a time when getting in the koala suit won't seem overwhelming anymore. It's going to the first couple of times that you do it, but there is going to come a time when it won't feel overwhelming anymore. And I know that because I'm somebody who's been through cognitive behavioral therapy and thought that I was never going to be able to drive again. And, and I was like, no, I can't even see that in the future. But if you do the things that Dr. Grampy Shea talked about yesterday, the time will come when you're in the koala suit and you will enjoy it and you will not have anxiety getting into it. Okay. Um, Uh, Laurie says, overwhelming to me is that my son will finish in the bathroom, leaves without his clothes and wipes his hands on the walls and the floors and the carpets. I'm cleaning the walls nonstop. Okay. That's going to be part of our conversation. And I want to get into the conversation about potty training so that we can get to troubleshooting those more specific things. So um, first things first here, I do, I have to give the big disclaimer that of course, potty training is easier if you have help. Now, help can take the shape of lots of different things. Obviously, if you have an ABA team who is, you know, a crack ABA team, they're just really good at their jobs and they're supporting you and they're supporting your child, that would be the ideal, right? But you may not have access to that. So that may mean that you're having friends help or a relative and you've made them aware of what it is that you're going to do, but help is really useful for the potty training. Having said that, I know lots of single parents that have done the extreme potty training at home by themselves. It just isn't the easiest thing. Okay. So you don't absolutely have to have a team of people helping you, but oh my goodness, it helps because when it's time to like take care of the child and clean the walls, it's easier if there's two of you, for heaven's sakes, it's easier if there's five of you. However, I'm going to put this asterisk on it. They've got to be people who understand the process 
and maybe show this video to them. Uh, they have to understand the process and be on board with it and be willing to follow through and not gum it up. Because what you don't need while you're doing an intensive intervention is somebody yakking at you going, I don't think this works. Not helpful. Not helpful. Either be on board. I used to say to my mother, support or silence. Those are the choices. Pick one. I don't care which one, but pick one, right? You can't have people second guessing you while you're doing this. And by the way, everything that I'm going to be saying to you is based on and almost everything that you're going to read about potty training anymore, whether it's potty training with typical kids or typically developing kids or kids who are neuro divergent, diverse, whatever on the spectrum, ADHD, whatever, most of it stems from the work of Fox and Azrin. And you can go and research our books about the Fox and Azrin method and God bless Fox and Azrin for the work that they did. And people have been working for, you know, I don't 25 years now trying to see if they can find a better, faster way than Fox and Azrin, you know, no, no. Nobody has found that. They've perfected little things with Fox and Azrin and find different things for different kids. But the basic Fox and Azrin is what everybody's going to tell you. So if you want to go down the rabbit hole and learn more about the kinds of things that I'm going to talk to you about, go research Fox and Azrin um, and you will have a, a, a good time and you can become a potty training expert, which I'm not right? But I'm going to help you to understand what the process is. But first, we got to ask two questions. They're vital questions. We can't do anything until we ask these questions. And by the way, we probably should ask these questions before we do anything major, right? So the first question is, is your child ready? Is your child ready for toilet training? But you could say, is my child ready for learning the ABCs? Is my child ready for math facts? Is my child ready for, you know, working on staying in bed all night? Is my child ready? And, and then you got to say, what, well, what are the signs? And some of the signs are external within your child. Some of them are a part of their environment, right? Like it might be that you're in a tight space because you need to put them into daycare and the daycare won't take them until they're potty trained, right? That's a tough one. Um, we prefer it to be that it comes from the child signals that, for instance, the child is aware of when they're going to the bathroom. Um, like, and that can be as simple as they squat, when, when they're going to the bathroom, it could be that they look for a place to go to do it. Like a lot of kids will go in the corner, uh, especially to take a BM, they'll go in the corner to or um, underneath the chairs uh, and the table. They want some privacy and they don't know to say, hey, I'd like some privacy. And, and they don't understand that they could go in the bathroom and have the privacy, right? There are kids who will come up to you and, and point to their diaper because it's wet and they don't like the feeling of the wet diaper. I will tell you something that in this generation of diapers that um, you know, they wanted to cut down on diaper rash because diaper rash can be like really bad and it hurts and we don't want our children to be miserable. Right. But so they've made those diapers so filled with crazy technology that the kid pees and they're not wet. They don't, it, there's nothing wet against their skin. The problem is that's not a friend to toilet training because what we see is that when kids have the uncomfortable of feeling wet, then they start to want to potty train, right? There are kids who will take their diaper off when, because it gets heavy, right? Um, those are all signs that they're ready to start potty training, 
right? Um, if your child is not 100% there, you know, you you might want to consider getting a diaper that isn't as intensive to see if they start, not enough that they end up getting a diaper rash, but so that they feel the wet, right? Um, and you can consider waiting. If, if time allows, we really like to start when the child already has some bodily awareness that something is happening. That's a good sign that it's time to start. It isn't necessarily the whole thing, but it helps. It'll expedite the whole thing. The second big question, if you've said, if you've checked the box and said, yes, my, my child is showing at least one of those signs. So I think that they're ready. Now the question is, are you ready? And this is a big question and there is no wrong answer. Because remember when I said before about what's really overwhelming you, it might be that you say to yourself, you know, this is overwhelming to me and I don't think that I'm up for all the things that you're about to talk to. And you know what? I still love you. And I, everyone who cares about you still cares about you. And you don't have to potty train today. You can wait until you are ready. You need to be slept. You need to, you have to be rested to be able to do this intervention. You have to be willing to take a few days off and not have to travel across the country to your niece's wedding. I'm always amazed by people say to me, well, you know, Shannon, we started the potty training and it was going really well. But then, you know, we had that family reunion that we had to go to and it was a seven hour drive. And and I'm like, well, that wasn't a good time to start that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then, you know, you need to be able to clear your decks for at least three to four days. Like a three day weekend is a great time to do potty boot camp is what they call it. Right. But if you can't do a three-day weekend, you have to be able to rearrange your life for at least, I would say at least three days, probably closer to a week, right? Where you're just like, we're going to make potty training the priority over everything. And if you're not ready to do that, stop judging yourself. I'm not judging you. Don't judge yourself. But just say, well, then we're not going to do this this week and save this video for when you are ready. But there's nothing worse than starting an inter intervention like potty training when you're not ready. Because it's the start and the stop and you run the risk of doing something that traumatizes your child to the point where they're like, I don't ever want to work on toilet training again. And we want this to be a positive, happy experience about autonomy and the fact that you can go to the bathroom yourself and you don't have to have that diaper on and life will be better. That's the whole reason why we're doing the potty training. So you have to be ready. Okay. If you've answered the question that yes, you think your child is showing signs that they're ready and you're ready. And a lot of times you're ready because you, you understand that your life is going to be better and their life is going to be better if you do this. And that's a great place to be in, but you got to be rested too. And you got to be ready to let other things go on the back burner for at least a couple of days. Okay. Because this is the difficult thing and you got to be willing to do the difficult thing for a couple of days to get to the good place. All right. So now we're going to set the stage before we start the potty training. There are some things that you can do to get your child ready, get yourself ready. And I'm now going to say something that no one ever thought that I would say. <laughs> are we ready? Uh, we, we need like angel music or like what? Because uh, you have to create a place in your life to take data. I know, like who thought that I would say that? But I'm not a big data taker. I don't love to take the data. I stand by the data. The data is important. But you, for potty training, the data is everything. And you have to be willing 
to take data, which means you have to have a place to take it that's convenient for you. Not, not for me. Like you might go, oh, well, I'm going to take it on my phone. Other people are like, I need to get a clipboard. Other people are like, I'm just going to do it on this notepad that I have, and it's going to sit here on the dining room table. But there has to be a place in your life to take data. There has to be a place for the data, and you have to be willing to take the data because you're going to live by the data. This is how we're going to make this not traumatic for your child. We're going to live by the data. Um, Then the second thing that you're going to do is you're going to make your bathroom. Pick If you have multiple bathrooms in your house, pick a bathroom and make it fabulous. That means you're going to make it friendly for your child. If it's really super echoey and that's a sensory nightmare for your kid, you're going to, you know, I don't know, put a, a, a curtain up that is a woolly blanket for a week so that it's less echoey, right? You're going to hang, you're going to draw pictures, hang them on the wall. You don't have to go spend a bunch of money, you guys. Think about what do I already have that could make the bathroom fabulous? Involve your child in it. You know, like make it as fabulous as you can be. I also, and I don't want you to spend a bunch of money to do this too. I think it's super important to get big girl, big boy underwear, whatever your child wants, you know, let them pick it out, characters, whatever. And again, don't spend a bunch of money. You don't have to spend a bunch of money, but um, you know, we all put underwear on our children, take the time to get underwear that's really reinforcing for them. Even let them pick it out and say, these are your big boy or your big girl pants. Which ones do you want? Do you want the one with princesses? And by the way, I'm of the school of thought, if the boy wants the princesses, yippee let them have it. We want the toilet training, right? And we want them to be happy. So I have no issues at all uh, and hope that you don't either, but make that reinforcing for them. Um, make the bathroom reinforcing and then you have to have a timer. Now, most of you have a smartphone that has a timer. If you want to do that, fine. What I loved was the old fashioned kitchen timer that you turned. It can't be one of those ones that you turn. It's got to have minutes on it. And and for me, I need the ding. It could be Alexa. You can, uh, I'm glad, oh, she didn't hear us. Uh, It could be Alexa. It could be whatever, but you got to have a timer. Um, And it's got to have a notification to tell you when the time is up because this is going to be crucial. So these are all the things that you got to have in place. So in the two weeks before you've set aside this three or four days when you're going to really hardcore do the boot camp, you're going to start to take the data. This is amazing to me. I didn't know this before we did this with our child. Everybody has a number. You have a number. I have a number. We drink something. We, we, you know, let's say that I drank half of this bottle right now in a chug. And then we would, we would set a timer and see how many minutes it is before I pee. And everybody has a timer. It takes, and I didn't realize that it's that direct causation. I, I just thought, oh, you know, maybe it takes a day for that to come out. No. Um, your body will release however much, this is why in the hospital, they measure what the outcome is, how, how much they put in, what the outcome is, because they can tell a whole bunch of things. So, you know, sit down, give your child their favorite beverage when they're thirsty, have them drink a whole bunch and set your watch and then watch for when they pee the diaper. And you're going to do this for two weeks. You're also going to take some data on when the poop thing happens too, but there's going to be much more data about the drink thing, because what you're trying to do is find their number. I encourage you to find your number. It's fascinating when you find your your number and you go, 
and do it over a couple of different times so that you can average it out and go, how about that? And check with your significant other because their time might be twice what your time is. It's very personal. And it, how isn't this good information to know what your child's number is? Um, uh oh, I, I turned Renee's uh, Alexa on. I just did it again. Anyway, um, so know what their number is because that is going to become critical when we start to do this. It's it's going to be one of the big secrets of to, uh, success. I didn't know this until we did the potty training. Um, okay. And um, so you're getting the feel for what the number is. You're taking the data and you're also getting yourself acclimatized to taking data. It's not going to be the rest of your life. Don't panic. I'm not asking you to take data for the rest of your life just for a couple of weeks. Um, and then... Where am I on my list of things? Okay, so then in the day before or in the couple of days before, the week before, you're going to get some salty preferred snacks. You're going to get some preferred liquid and you're not going to worry about other things right now. I know we all want to keep our kids as, as color-free and as sugar-free as possible. And I'm still espousing that. But if your child's super fuzzy, let some other things go because we're working on the potty training. I do think it's easier if they're not all jacked up, but you know, do what you got to do. Uh, and then clear the schedule. I already told you that you got to clear the schedule. Um, and, and occasionally just make a party trip to the potty. For no reason, nobody does anything in the bathroom, but you can just be like, you know, doing something in the kitchen and go, oh, let's go to the bathroom. Let's go. Let's go to the bathroom. We used to sing the the uh, a potty song and go, I don't even remember what it was. It was something like, it's potty time. It's potty time. And we would just go to the bathroom and check out, oh, did you see the new flamingo that we got that we blew up and put in the bathtub? Just make the bathroom a fun place to go so that it's not horrifying. Okay. No demands. When they go to the bathroom, it's just a party to go to the bathroom and it's random, but it's, but nothing happens but fun in the bathroom. One of the things that we did to make our bathroom fabulous was we stuck one of those old, you know how they used to have the VCRs that were like just the, you would take them in the car. We stuck one in a basket in the bathroom so that he could, he only liked black and white cartoons. He didn't like color cartoons. Every kid is different, right? But we would go in, some people put books in the bathroom, but we would go in and we'd be like, let's see what's on the TV in the bathroom. And then we would watch like 30 seconds of commercial and go, all right, now let's go play out there. And nobody went to the bathroom, nothing flushed because we wanted to build in the going to the bathroom is a cool thing. Okay. Now we've identified when we're going to start. Now let's go on to day one. Okay. We need to make their world so reinforcing. Let's be excited about it. Let's, you know, today we're going to get up and we're going to, we're going to do finger paints or we're going to do whatever. Their world has to be fun and okay, but don't do finger paints because you want your child, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> now I got a tickle. Eating salty snacks and drinking. So here's what we're going to do. You, you take, you average out from the data what their number is. So let's say that your child on average pees 26 minutes after they drink a liquid. Great. So whatever the average is, we're going to start by going, we're going to take one minute off of that. So if their average number is 26, we're going to say 25. And we're going to set the timer. We're going to give them the salty snack. We're going to give them the liquid and we're going to set the timer for 25 minutes. Now, it's not going to be perfect and there are going to be accidents and you have to be mentally ready. And when the accidents happen, you don't, you don't comment, you don't berate, 
You don't do anything. We, in fact, we don't avoid the child. We just immediately clean it up. We dispose of it and we start over again. Okay. So we set the time. So we give the salty snack, we give the liquid, we set the timer for 25 minutes. Everybody's number is going to be different, right? The equation is one minute less than whatever the average was for their number. And when the timer goes off and we're busy doing fun things, fun, 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 fun. But the timer goes off and we go, oh, it's time to go to the bathroom, potty, 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 do the dance, whatever. But you've built in that going to the potty is fun. But now we're going to add into it that you help the child to take off whatever and you get them onto whatever throne you're using. And this is a decision that you have to make whether you want to have them go potty in a, a, a little child potty, or you want them to go on a potty seat on the toilet, or you want them to go on the toilet. This should depend on the individual child and what your circumstances are. If the child has shown that they are afraid of the bathroom, I recommend doing the potty outside of the bathroom and we'll work on the bathroom later on. We're minimizing the things that are aversive, right? And if they already have an aversion to the bathroom, take it out of the bathroom. And if your child is 16 they have porta potties that you can take out of the bathroom, but then we make the trip, we make that place fun, and it's a specific place, and we make it fun and do all of that. Some kids are so afraid of falling into the toilet that it's hard. Some kids' legs go to sleep when they're on the toilet, and we want them to be able to sit comfortably on whatever the throne is for five minutes. So, a lot of times, people get a padded toilet seat. Um, we want them to be comfortable and we don't want the circulation to be cut off to the, their legs, right? So the timer goes off. We're going to the potty. We make it fun. There are books. You stay with them. They sit on the potty and you take the timer and you set it for five minutes and we make it fun and we sing songs. And if at any point the child does anything in the toilet, pees a little, poops a little, it is no holds barred celebration. Celebrate. And what is important to them, if they, you know, if they love hugs and tickles, it's hugs and tickles. If they love attention, it's all kinds of attention. If there's a certain toy, we get that toy out and that toy celebrates that, you know, that they did it. We, we let them know that it's fabulous for them, but that's individual, but we celebrate, 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 right? And then we do the washing up and then we go back to doing the fun task and we go back to the salty snack and we go back to the, the drink and we set the timer again for 25 minutes, rinse and repeat, right? But sometimes what happens is that we go to the bathroom, we sit there, we do all the fun things, five minutes goes by and the timer goes ding. And we go, okay, so it's not happening right now. We don't want the child to sit on the toilet for hours and hours and hours because it gets uncomfortable and we don't want it to get aversive. So, and, and we don't want to celebrate that they didn't do something. So we're very kind and compassionate. We go, okay, time's up. Not the big celebration. Okay, time's up. And then we help them to get dressed. We go through the washing ritual with them. It's still cozy, wonderful, but not the big party, right? The clear delineation between like, you know, not a big deal and the big party, right? It has to be. And, and what we do is we immediately, we wash up and we set the timer for five minutes because the child still hasn't peed. And we come back in five minutes that goes ding. We do the same thing, party, party, party to the bathroom, sit on the toilet and we do that until they pee. Now, one of two things is going to happen. They're going to pee on the toilet or the whatever the potty seat is, or they're going to have an accident. 
we already know what to do if they do it on the toilet. We celebrate and then we go back to the, the sequence, which is salty snacks, water, timer, right? But if they go and then we celebrate, but if they at any point during this three-day time when we're doing this, if they have an accident, we do not berate, we do not lecture, we do not and any, we're not at all punitive. What we want to do is be as what they call flat affect. So your face, that resting bitch face that I started with uh, is too much maybe, but it's just, it's like nothing burger. We don't talk about it. We just take the diaper off. There's no discussion. And we put a new diaper on. We're not ignoring the child, but we're not, you know, and you're a big girl now, you know, better than this. That's all BS. That helps no one. You have to you know, with the, the tickle lock thing, you have to shut your pie hole. Don't make them feel bad. They're learning and making somebody feel bad while they're learning never helped anyone. We don't berate somebody into toilet training. Um, but when they do it, we celebrate, right? But it's a nothing burger when they don't. And sometimes we get to the point where parents just don't even bother to put the, the pants back on because we're doing, we put them on for five minutes, we take them off for five minutes, we put them back on for five minutes, and it's just too much taking off. So a lot of times they'll put a kiddo in a long shirt, like a long t-shirt so that they have some dignity and are covered, but we're not having to go through the whole rigmarole and they keep the diaper off. Because sometimes, and and if you do that, and if the child starts to pee, then what we do is we we go, oh, bathroom time, and we pick them up and put them right on the toilet and hopefully catch them finishing in the toilet. And if they do that, if there's any, a drop goes in the toilet, you celebrate. And we go, yay, you did it in the toilet. Because, and this takes like three days, you guys, but the kids start to get it. Oh, you want me to, I have that feeling. And then you want me to do that in the toilet. And that's what we want. And they do get it. Now, if you find after three days that your child does not have it, then I think we go back to question one, which is I don't think your child is ready. And most experts will recommend that if you do this three days intensively and they don't regularly start, and they're not going to get it every time, you guys, anybody is, but if they don't regularly start to get it and understand, and you can tell when they understand, oh, you want me to do that in the toilet, that then we take a break and we wait and we come back maybe a month later and we try again. But a lot of our kids get it in that first three, um, three to four days, really. But then comes the tough part. And here's where this is where you got to mentally be ready because it's like three days that you took off and it was all about the potty and you're and you feel like, oh, my gosh, my whole life is on this timer because your whole life is every time you come off the toilet, you give them more liquid and you turn it back to 26 minutes. If that's your number every time you don't go, oh, well, it's three o'clock, so we'll take a break now. No. That's why you got to clear your schedule. That's why you got to see if you're ready for this. But then as soon as your child is successfully peeing in one toilet, now you got to have them pee in another toilet. Now that might mean that they pee in your upstairs toilet, or it might mean that you got to start making trips to Target or whoever's down the street. But what we don't want to do is teach the child that we just go in this bathroom. Now, here's where it gets super duper bumpy is the next time that you decide to go to the grocery store or you decide, and it's worse than the pandemic because people have closed their bathrooms. But for the next four weeks while you're potty training, you still have to be on this 26 minute timer. And, and in the process of all this, 
hopefully if you're working with an ABA team, you're going to, you're going to start to identify after, after they're getting it on a regular basis, you're going to give them some way of verbally saying, I have to go to the bathroom because they're going to start to recognize that feeling. And I'm telling you, and you need to hear me when I say this, this is the thing that drives me crazier than anything else when I'm out in the real world and watching parents who don't have kids with autism. I I seriously have to like grab a hold of myself and say, do not talk to these people because I want to go, do you understand how wrong you are? If a child communicates that they have to go to the bathroom, it is the single most important thing going on in that moment. I cannot believe how many times I see parents of little kids and the the little kid will say, mom, I have to go to the bathroom. And they go, well, you'll have to wait till we get home. No, I can't fix it for people who have typical kids because they don't listen to me. But if you're listening to me, I need you to know that for the next couple of months, every time your child says they have to go to the bathroom in whatever way they tell you, it could be a PEX card, it can be on their iPad, it can be that they're dancing and you recognize you got to take them to the bathroom. And that has to be your be all end all. And if your pastor doesn't understand or they're, you know, they're, kindergarten teacher doesn't understand or your Aunt Bertha doesn't understand, too bad. It is your North Star. That's how, because otherwise you're going to have accidents and they go, what's the point? Um, And it's frustrating for them as much as it is for you. And always have extra clothes in your car in case there's an accident and we never, 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 never be raped. Okay. Any questions um, about that, what we've covered so far? Um, because in a second, I want to move on to the, the poop thing, but I want to look at some of the questions that you guys have sent in. Um, so I'm so far behind saying hi to Nicholas. Lori says, my son has been potty training a while now, but he has this thing about playing with poop smearing on the walls. He doesn't wipe afterwards. Um, how do you curb this? Yeah. So smearing is one of the things that's on my list to talk about, um, that, you have to understand that there is something deeply satisfying about it and that our kids don't understand what this stuff is that's coming out of their bodies. They don't understand what the pee is. They don't understand what the poop is and it's a part of them. And so some kids, you know, in the course of wiping, they will get it on their hands and, you know, it's got a smell that is aversive to us, not necessarily for them. There are some kids who will engage in pica and they will take and put it in their mouth. Now, I, I, I got to be honest with you. When you're at the point where you're dealing with smearing and pica, I, you really, really, really need expert help because the intervention is so intense and it's so important that we get it quicker as opposed to later that you know, it's really important. And there's no possibility that I, because, you know, obviously I'm not an expert and I'm not, I'm not seeing what's going on with your child, but I will tell you some of the things that parents have done with the help of experts to be able to change it. Um, And, and one of them is that they give them something else that gives them a a good feeling. That's right. Like, like they have smelly kinds of Play-Doh, Um, Some people have given their child that to play with, and then they put that up on the counter. And then if you wipe properly, as soon as you're done wiping, if you didn't take it and smeared it on the walls, then you get that thing back. So that need is being met, but in something that's deeply pleasurable, not the thing that's down there. 
Um, there can't be a reward ever for the smearing. So if that's what they're wanting is that sensory need, we fill it some other way. And if they go to smear, we, we stop it. We just have to, you know, be there and stop for enough. But, but a lot of times what people do is they just try to block it and don't fill the sensory need. Um, and some people will tell you, no, we can't do it in the bathroom. We got to, we got to fill the sensory need outside the bathroom. There are people who have done the thing where their child's favorite food. Like I know one child um, who loved chocolate, but the only time he could have chocolate was if he went to the bathroom and he didn't engage in pica. And if he, if, if he did that, then he got a piece of chocolate, right? So we make sure that we take away the pleasure of whatever the thing was that they were doing. That's horrifying, right? We fulfill that need someplace else and we reinforce using that other thing. And we don't give attention or reward to the thing that they were doing that we don't like. It's hard. I feel for you. But it's not the kind of thing that we go, well, it's going to fix itself. I just got to be honest with you. You know, if you're working with an ABA team, tell them about this and get an intervention that's specific to your child for those things. The pica is really serious because, you know, your child can get sick, right? And people don't want to be around it. That's the other thing, right? Um, but the smearing thing is its own thing. And it's a very, very big deal for our kids. But if they can get the need met some other way, and if we take away, there are, there are kids that at night will take their feces and they'll smear it all over their bedroom. And so what they have to do is um, get special pajamas made for the kids or they get very lightweight summer footy pajamas. They cut the feet out of them and they put them on the child backwards so they cannot unzip themselves out of it. So they cannot get in their pants to smear the diaper. You have to remove them from the ability to be able to get at it. Right. And so if that if they're at the point where they're already doing it in the bathroom, um, it might mean that you go in and you stand right over them in the bathroom and they poop and you do the hand over hand wipe and 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 then you heavily reinforce them for, you know, going and washing their hands. And then you immediately take them to be able to do something that is rewarding for them for that sensory need, because you guys like, you know, what is finger painting? And our, and our kids like finger painting, but it, you know, your team may tell you for your kiddo that you, you got to take it to the next thing because the finger painting is too close. I can't judge that for you. Talk to your team, but we can't just expect them to be, know that it's gross and stop doing it and know that it's unsanitary and stop doing it. We got to make it reinforcing enough for them. Uh, hopefully that helps Lori. Okay. Uh, moving on here. Masada says, my son is nonverbal. I keep taking him to the washroom. If I don't take him in, he pees on himself. Yeah. Hopefully Masada find out what his number is and take him in then and make it reinforcing, um, and spend those couple of days. Hopefully that will help. Um, uh, oh, Renee and Elvira, the cooking and cleaning all day, every day. Amen, sister. I can't, that's overwhelming to meet you. Um, Laurie says, yeah, overwhelming about the, the walls. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and the, I turned on a Renee and Alexis, uh, Alexa, uh, Parker is bedwetting different when it comes to data. Yeah, it is a little bit different, although not completely different. So bedwetting, it, um, what we want to do, it's going to take longer. Because sometimes children sleep so deep that they don't feel the sensation. They're not woken up by it. So 
I, I think one of the things experts recommend is, you know, don't start a land war in Asia. You want to start with urine and you want to get urine under control. And then you want to move on to poop, which I'm going to talk about in a second. And then you want to get to bedwetting. Bedwetting doesn't um, stop until they're older. So you get the pull-ups and you, and you just deal with the pull-ups for longer. But eventually what you would do is if, let's say you've got a child who's eight, because a child who's eight, hopefully their body will send them the signal by that age. Um, and if they're still wetting the bed, what you would do is you would take data and it might be that you have to tag team it and somebody else uh, sleeps, you know, one person sleeps during the day and one sleeps at night, but one of you has a camera and watches for signs that your child and you take data and go, okay, it's about this time. And so then you go in, you set a timer and you wake up at one o'clock and you go in and you wake up your child and you walk them to the bathroom. Right. Um, and, and that that's the way that you use the data to do that. Um, uh, Parker says, Steve Burns has a song about not being able to go down the toilet. It worked for my friend's son. Yeah, because sometimes our kids are afraid that they are going to go down the toilet. That is a very real thing. And we see kids flushing things down the toilet because they're fascinated with where does that go? What, what happens? And so on and so forth. Um, and Johanny, I'm so happy that you're here. Okay. So we're, we're getting close to out of time and we haven't even gotten to the poop thing. So let's go to the poop thing. So when I'm just looking at my notes here, so poop is different, but it's the same because the data is different. You're going to pee, uh, you know, on a schedule that's directly related to you drank and you have your number and you peed, right? Poop, it's a little bit different, but if our kids are eating sort of regular meals and they're eating at sort of regular times, you will start to notice that there is probably, we hope, one time a day when your child is pooping. You may find that your child doesn't poop and, and for every two days or every three days. But I got to tell you, that's a signal that you need to put more fiber in their diet because what we would really like to achieve for maximum is that they poop once a day. If you find that your child is pooping eight times a day, then that's a different thing. And you probably want to go see a gastroenterologist because you're probably, and your child's poops are probably runny, right? And all of that is about, you know, nutrients absorbing in the colon. And it could be that your child is really struggling to get nutrition. So a part of this is going to be eye-opening and you never want to leave medical help off the table, but you're going to start to notice, okay, really how often does my child poop and how does that relate to diet? And as you're noticing these things, and we notice this uh, sometimes with the diaper, sometimes not, we notice, oh, well, now my child's poop is dry and now my child's poop is soup. And you start to notice, you know, what is my child eating that's causing these different things? Because we want to get them as regular as possible. It's really hard to expect someone who has chronic diarrhea to potty train when they're small. It's just kind of not fair, right? So a sign that our child is ready to be poop trained would be that they are showing signs of regularity and that their diet is such that, you know, things are going well. Check it out with a doctor if you, if you're like, ah, I don't see that, um, but once we have a schedule of time that we know about when the child poops, then what we want to do 
is make it user-friendly for them so that they're not horrified, which might be the song about it's okay to poop in the toilet, right? I know people that have had to put saran wrap around their toilet and they they put it, but they, they don't draw it tight so that it looks like it's the toilet. They can see the water, but there's no splash. There is something terrifying to some of our kids sensory-wise of the splash. It's like a piece of me just fell in the toilet, right? And then they're terrified that it's going to get flushed away. Take it one thing at a time. Let's get them pooping in the potty first, which means maybe take it off of the toilet, maybe even take it out of the bathroom, put them on a throne that's outside the bathroom where they can see it. There's no splash. There's no water. They can see it, know what it is. That's not you. We don't encourage them to touch it, right? Because we don't want to get to the smearing thing. And then eventually we have them take it to the bathroom and flush it down. And you can model that yourself. You can show them, look, I just pooped in the potty and now I'm going to flush that and I'm okay with it. All kinds of things that we can do there. But I think the biggest thing for the poop thing is giving a reinforcer. I've, I've told this story before that what we did in our family was that we took our child shopping. We, we let him find the thing he wanted more than anything else, which was a Lego night. We took the Lego night and we stuck it on the, um, the bar that had the the towel that was facing the the toilet or the bathroom that we were using. And, and we showed him, we said, here's the Lego night. And he was like, you know, I want it. And we were like, it goes right there. And as soon as you poop in the potty, you can have it. Well, he didn't understand that. And, and he threw a fit and, and, and we just allowed him to throw a fit and we stepped over his body. We didn't leave the room. Um, but you know, he, he wanted the thing. And then we fed him a diet that was, you know, what we would show for him to be regular. And first thing in the morning, we went in and put him on the potty and we said, you know, poop in the potty and you get the the Lego. And he was ready for that. You got to ask the question, is the child ready? He was ready for that. And let me tell you, once he understood, as soon as I do that in there, I get the Lego. Oh my gosh, he worked overtime. Um, he was going to get that thing out of him in the toilet so that he could have the Lego night. And as soon as he, and, and, and it was a thing where in the morning, as soon as he did that in the toilet, he got the Lego night and he got it for the rest of the day. It didn't matter how many accidents he had after that, he got it for the rest of the day. But when he went to bed at night and, you know, he's, he's in bed, one of us would pack up all of the pieces to the Lego night. They came in these great canisters. It was perfect for this. And it was what he picked. And and we put the top on the canister and it went back on the toilet bar so that in the morning I didn't have to go search for it. It was there. And my son would get up and he would, he would look around for the Lego night and I would say, it's on the toilet bar. You poop in the potty, you get the thing. And I'm telling you, it like, it was amazing because then it started this routine and every morning there would be on the toilet bar and he, the, uh, the towel bar, and he would go in and he would, you know, work on that until he got, and then he got the thing. So I've heard parents do lots of different things, but you have to make it worth their while because it isn't really convenient for them and they don't see any big plus in it. It, 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 They don't see how it improves their life, but I will tell you what will happen is, and by the way, you heap the praise on too, as well as whatever the equivalent of the Lego night is, and you stop with diapers entirely as soon as you possibly can. And they have that really cool underwear on and it feels better in their pants. And they 
even though I think that a lot of times we don't think our kids notice things set, uh, uh, in terms of socially that, you know, well, the other kids don't have, the, but, but there is something about that whole, I do it myself thing that kids have. And there, there is something, I, I don't know, it's fascinating. I've seen it in so many kids where they understand I have control now. I'm in control of how my pants feel and I'm in control of how my body feels. And I have this thing, this toilet in which I can do it. But again, just like the pee, you never want it to be that your child only poops in one toilet. Oh my gosh. How many parents do I know who had great ABA teams who worked with them and they got their child potty trained, but they only did it in one toilet. And now they go on vacation and they end up at the hospital because their child is impacted because their child will not go in the bathroom at the hotel. Please do not do that to yourself and your child. Please, 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 please. Thank you, Macy. Please, as soon as your child is able to poop in one toilet, take them to a public bathroom and have them poop and reinforce them for doing the poop in the toilet there. You know, what they're going to learn, it's called generalization, but what they're going to learn is this, maybe this toilet is stainless steel and the one at home is white and this one is oval and this one is round, but they're going to learn there are these things, they're toilets, no matter what they look like, no matter what the door looks like, that's where I put my poop. That's where I put my pee. That's where I relieve myself with dignity and I have control over it. This is a great gift that we give them is the ability to have that autonomy that I can go when I want to go. It is no small thing to be able to toilet train. Now, really quickly, we got to, we got to talk about a couple of things. Nighttime, wait, I said, wait until they're really wet or ready. Here's the other thing with nighttime, make sure you go over the rules with them and that you set up the stage for success. I have a dear friend whose child kept wetting the bed and it was wearing her down to a, I'm talking to a nub because she would have to get up in the middle of the night and she'd have to strip the sheets and wash the sheets. And it was this whole big thing. She wasn't getting any sleep over it. And she was getting more and more frustrated and it went on for years. And this kid could do so many things. And she was just like, I just don't understand why there is the nighttime thing. And, and, you know, they had talked about don't wet the bed, don't wet the bed, don't wet the bed. Right. But they're, Finally, in frustration, one night at three o'clock in the morning, she said, why don't you just get up and go in the bathroom? I don't understand. And the kid stopped and looked at her and he said, I'm allowed to get out of bed? And she went, oh my gosh. How many times have I told this kid there's no getting out of bed? Go over the rules with them. Right? Go over the rules with them, walk them through it, set timers, get up with them, walk them to the bathroom, tell them, you know, get the the thing that lights up so that it's not dark and they're not going to fall down the stairs and they're not scared. If you have to, they have those little LED light strips now, do an LED light strip that goes from their bed to the bathroom with a, with a remote control so that they can, you know, it's like a, la- a landing pattern that takes them there, make it reinforcing, make it so that they're set up for success. Okay. Cause our kids are afraid of the dark. They're afraid of whatever. Um, we have the toilet lights that light the toilet up so that the boys know where to pee so that it's not over the floor, right? Set them up for success and then reward, 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 make it so that when you have a dry night, it is everything in the morning. 
that they get everything that they want, that it's the same as if they had just graduated from college with honors. You know what I mean? Make it worth their while. Okay, now let's go through the, the troubleshooting list. Sometimes kids will have accidents. And instead of getting frustrated with them, be a detective and ask yourself, why do I think this accident is happening? Um, Kids will have accidents because of anxiety. Kids will have accidents because they've eaten something that doesn't agree with them. Kids will have accidents because they weren't given access to a bathroom or they didn't know how to ask. None of those are their fault, right? And there's a million other things. If you see a sudden, if your child has potty training and they're pristine and they, like they've been six months and never had an accident and all of a sudden you're having a bunch of accidents, something's going on. I don't know what, but something is going on. And it might be that they have a sudden allergy to something that they're eating. It might be that they watched a scary movie and that they're having nightmares and this is how it shows up. It could be that some, the the most unthinkable thing that someone is abusing them. But here's the thing about accidents. If your child is potty trained and suddenly they're having accidents, it is your main job to figure out what's going on and, and have them be safe and set up for success. But But when they have potty training and and there are accidents, this is after it's all done, it is a sign that something is going on. Don't ignore it, okay? Um, If you're having serial accidents at the beginning, I want to say to you with love, go back to your data, go back to plan A, which was 20, whatever the number is. I I set the number at 26, but for, for your kid, it might be 12 minutes. It could be seven minutes, but go back to where it was working and, and understand that it's not your child. The system works. It's not your child. If, if it's that you never got to the point where they were getting it, pause, wait, give them time because they're trying to learn a lot of things at the same time and come back to it in a couple of months. Okay, let's talk about sensory issues for a second, because there's nothing bigger sensory than than potty and body and all of those things. And some kids don't like the sensation of when their bladder is filled. Some kids love the sensation of when their body is, uh, when their bladder is full and they will press on it because it's a pleasurable feeling. We don't judge sensory things. We just want to show up and be an ally for the kid to understand how do we have it be clean? How do we have it so that they have that autonomy, right? We want them to feel comfortable and happy at all times. So start to get to know your child and what their sensory issues are. My child, when he's in an echoey space, he like, there is a disintegration of, not anymore, but when he was little, he would just fall apart. And all he would be interested in was the sound of his voice echoing. And it didn't matter if things were shooting out of his behind right? So bathrooms, he would turn into a different person if we went into the public bathroom and it was all echoey, right? So be aware of what the sensory issues are and don't poo-poo them and don't punish for sensory issues, but be kind, be compassionate, set them up for success. Figure figure it out, be a detective and it will um, help you. Okay. This next one is trauma and talking about past trauma, current trauma. We never, ever want to make potty training traumatic. First of all, we love our children and why would we want to do that to begin with, right? But if that's not enough for you, and it is for all of you watching, but for anybody else, 
Um, here's the thing. If we infuse trauma into the experience, it's going to take significantly longer to undo that and have them be potty trained. So you can't ever put trauma in. And sometimes kids have past trauma that we weren't in control of, that we don't, we didn't know about, whatever. So if your child is showing signs of real fear, real hysteria, real, don't ignore it. Be kind, be compassionate try to be a detective to figure out what it is. If you need to get professional help, figure out what it is. But there are ways that you can, I think of it as like having an ectomy. Like, so if what they're afraid of is the flushing toilet, we can work on that separately, but we can take the toilet training and put no toilet flushing in it. You can work on toilet training without a toilet flush. Um, Don't keep flooding them with the thing that is traumatic to them and think to yourself, they're going to get over it. That is unkind. We don't do that to kids. Okay. Um, Sometimes I won't say lots of times our kids have medical issues. We touched on this a little bit that if your child is having, um, pain on urinating or um, they're having lots of diarrhea or their butt is red or uh, or they're pushing on their stomach um, or after they pee, they're, they're, they're like, <laughs> it's because it probably burns and that those are medical things that we need to take care of. Uh, good afternoon, Franklin. Um, so don't ignore those. If you see signs of any of that, you need to go to your pediatrician and make them listen to you. A lot of times, if you say that your child is on the spectrum you know, some doctors and nurses, it's like, oh, well, that, no, that has nothing to do with autism. There are plenty of people with autism walking around and peeing and pooping, and they don't have constant chronic diarrhea, and they don't have painful urination. You know what I mean? It is not autism. And sometimes you have to be the person to very nicely say to the doctor, I need for you to listen to me. My child is, this is not well. And that, where in the diagnosis of autism does it say that? It doesn't. And, and ask them to, you know, be true to their profession and treat your child. Um, Franklin uh, has written in and said, I'm 49 and I think I have prostate issues. And Franklin, I'm concerned for you and I want you to get right to a doctor. That's not something to mess around with. And if you need somebody to help you advocate, like, you know, let us know if you need help finding that person, because there are advocates that can go with you to the doctor, but you need to get help for that. We did talk a little bit about Pike already, and we talked about smearing already. So my question is, is there anything that I said that you guys are like, I have no idea what that meant, or or do you have questions now um, about anything? I'm trying to look... um, but Franklin, let us know if you need help with that. And and I also want to say, too, we've been having a problem with the chat. And a couple of people have written to me and said, you ignored my question. I'm never ignoring questions. Sometimes I'm not getting them. So is there, if there's anything that I have left out here, I would love it if you guys would tell me. We're past the time, but I'm prepared to stay if somebody has a question. But here's the thing. There's so much more knowledge about this on the internet, but hopefully this gave you some parameters about like, oh, this this isn't this huge thing that we don't know about. We absolutely know how the body works and our kids and our teens and our adults are not, you know, their body still functions the way um, that other people function. They pee, they poo. Uh, this is just the reality. So, you know, 
we can overcome all this. I want to make sure that, um, for, especially for Lori, I, I really want to put it into your backpack, Lori, that I do know a lot of people that have had to deal with the, um, yeah, we got to end soon. Um, we've had a lot of people who've written in over the last 11 years of doing this show where their kids were smearing and it, it ends with help. It ends. So this is not going to be your whole life, but it does mean you're going to have to ask for some help and support. And if you don't know who to ask for, please write to me, Shannon at autism-live.com and I'll help chase it down for you um, because you need some help. I hear that it's overwhelming. All right, we've got to go, but I want to encourage all of you that if you go on our Facebook and, and see the thing that I've written to Amazon about as we see it, if you agree with me, please uh, write to them at Prime Video on Facebook or Twitter. And if nothing else, use the hashtags, um, hey, uh, hey, Amazon, or the hashtag save as we see it, because I feel like this is a really important thing for our community, a line in the sand. And if we don't make a noise, studios are going to stop hiring people on the spectrum and we can't have that. Um, Holly says, I have two nonverbal and one is a teen, uh, 18, and it has been difficult trying to get them potty trained. Holly, are you at all working with anybody team-wise? Because you need help. And I'm, I'm going to give you my email again. It's shannon at autism-live.com. And Holly, I want you to write to me and tell me where you are and what kind of help you're getting. Because we've seen people who were 37 and in institutions be potty trained. So I am confident that your kids can be potty trained with enough help and support for you. But, um, but let's work all the issues, make sure that there's no medical issues and let's get you some help and support so that you can make it happen. Okay. Cause the potty training, once you have the potty training, your life will be better and their life for sure will be better. All right. I'm sending you a hug right to me, Shannon at autism live.com. Hey, on tomorrow's show, I don't know enough about prostate issues, Franklin, but I want you to, to go to a doctor. Um, on tomorrow's show, Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, we're having Lillian Carrier on. Amazing actress. You guys know her from, she played Drea on Everything's Gonna Be Okay. But she also played a really wonderful small role on As We See It. And uh, she has, she and her sister are the founders of Ourtism. And oh my gosh, she's doing some amazing things. So we're so thrilled to welcome her back to the show. I think her service dog, Luke, will be with her as well. Uh, we'll see. And we're looking forward to having her on. Plus we'll have In the News and Why Art and all that good stuff and Nancy Allspot Jackson. We'll be back tomorrow with that. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.